0: Best Book Bits podcast brings you Antoinette France, an international recognized customer experience thought leader, coach, keynote speaker, and author. With 30 years experience in the customer experience profession, Antoinette is the founder and CEO of CX Journey Inc, a customer experience consultancy With a mission of helping companies put the customer in customer experience by building the right foundation, doing the work to understand employees and customers, identifying what pain points and problems they're trying to solve for, and then turning that information into an experience that drives value, satisfaction, engagement, and retention. Antoinette, thanks for being on the show.
1: And that is a mouthful. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate
0: it. No problem. Now we'll jump into your latest book, which is called Built to Win, but I know you're an author of another book too. But for my audience out there that don't know who you are, take us back to your early years. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And what did you do when you finished school?
1: Yeah, of course. I'd I'd love to. Where shall we begin, right? (laughs) Um, I grew up on a farm in Ohio. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I love animals, right? So my goal was to be a veterinarian and three years into my stint at the Ohio State University, I, uh, <laughs> I, I decided, you know what, this, uh, this is not for me because chemistry is my kryptonite and uh, six quarters of chemistry required to go into vet school. It's very much obviously like med school. So I was like, all right, there has to be another way here. But at the same time, as I was sort of looking around in Ohio and and the job situation and what else I wanted to do, uh, my aunt who lives out here in Southern California said, hey, why don't you come out here and just check things out and see what you can find out here. So came out here to Southern California and and stayed (laughs) and started my career in this customer experience profession um, in 1992 with J.D. Power and Associates. Um, you know, I, I saw, an we're totally dating ourselves here, right? We saw, saw an ad in the newspaper uh, for, you know, a, a position there. And I was like, you know what? I love to write. I love math. Market research is all about, you know, analytics, math and writing. And so so that was, you know, the perfect uh, role for me. So I spent uh, spent five years there before I went and uh, worked on the uh, team at uh, Mattel was at Mattel for a little while and then flipped back over to the vendor side, spent some time on the vendor side with the major voice of the customer. Uh, platforms running their consulting services organizations and really working with clients not just on you know their surveys and data but also you know their customer experience strategy even though customer experience wasn't even a thing or wasn't even a word until probably the early you know early 2000s somewhere in there so so about five years ago I jumped out of the corporate world and said you know it's time to start my own start my own company and that's what I did and I spent a lot of time doing soup to nuts customer experience Doing strategy work with my clients, but also spend time with uh, content work, writing um, webinars, those kinds of things, and then uh, speaking, uh, whether it's virtually or uh, in person. So so yeah, so doing all the things that I love is what I say, you know, was really the reason that I went out on my own five years ago, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Best decision ever.
0: Yeah, perfect. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And your first book, when did that come out? And what's, what's that about?
1: So the first book is uh, Customer Understanding. It, is, uh, it came out in uh, September of 2019 and it is really all about just that, the three ways to understand your customers, to put the customers at the heart of your business. Um, and those three ways are listen, characterize, and empathize. And listen is about feedback and data. Characterize is about taking the time to really research who your customers are, talking to your customers and developing personas. And then um, the third way is empathize, which is all about journey mapping, the journey mapping process, walking in your customer's shoes with your customers to really understand the experience that they're going through, you know, with your organization as they interact with the organization.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll deep dive into some of those topics that you touched on as well. Talk a little bit about sort of CX Journey Inc. What's the company about? What kind of companies do you work with and what's some of your experiences? Yeah,
1: thank you for it. thank you for that. You know, the, the focus really is around both coaching and consulting. I've worked with up and coming chief customer officers who are new to the role. Chief customer officer is a new role in and of itself, right? And so a lot of folks have sort of been tapped on the shoulder, voluntold that they're gonna be in that position, but they really have no idea what it means to be in that position, right? And so I work with them to help them, uh, you know, develop their customer experience strategies and, and coach them along on that. Um, and then also working with clients, just soup to nuts uh, strategy. And and the types of businesses that I work with are usually small to medium size. I've worked with some larger organizations as well, but the sweet spot is, you know, those medium sized companies and, and some startups as well who really need to focus on putting the customer into the into the business early on, right? We can't think about the customer later, even though we've got some great idea and we've got this great product, or we think we do until, <laughs> until we show it to our customers and our customers go, I don't know, what do I do with that, you know? So working with a couple of companies like that who are just really trying to figure it out right now. So a lot of fun doing that because, you know, to answer the question of what problem does your product solve for your customers is really, one of the big things that companies need to do and and one of the questions that they often fail to ask themselves.
0: The new book, when did it come out? What's it about? Why did you write it? And and who's it for exactly?
1: Yeah, the book was just released about a month or so ago, uh, March 22nd. And I'm really excited. So this is a fun one. So the first one I self-published This one, I actually went with a publisher, Advantage Forbes Books. Uh, They reached out to me about a year ago, beginning of April of 2021, and said, hey, are you thinking about your next book? We'd love to publish it. And at the the time, I was, but I was going to self-publish again. And we started to have these conversations. And uh, by the end of April, we had signed the contract. And I had 122 days (laughs) to write the book um, because they needed the final manuscript, September 30th. Right? So... So that was a lot of fun doing that, writing this book at the same time that I was having, you know, sort of the busiest year that my business has ever had, right? So, But I, I landed on this topic and I, and I wrote this book because I had been doing a lot of presentations about the, the very topic of this book and I was getting amazing feedback. And at the same time as I was reading things and I was seeing what other people were talking about, I really had this notion that people don't really understand what it means to be customer centric. What does it mean to be customer centric? And so I really wanted to inspire leaders to think differently about what it means to be customer centric and to help them really understand what it takes to be customer centric. You know, it's not just one person or one department, or it's not just a message or, you know, those, I I see all the time people talking about, Oh, we just sent this customer centric message. And it's like, It's not that right customer centric being customer centric and customer centricity is something that actually, you know, flows through the DNA of the organization and it's enterprise wide. So, so that was sort of the catalyst for me to say, you know what I want, this is a book for leaders and I want them to really think differently about why this is important, what it is, why it's important and why they should have or design a customer centric organization.
0: Yeah, I read the book. It's a fantastic book and yeah, it makes total sense as well, especially the day and age we're in now. It's sort of everything's open sourced in terms of we know know so much more about companies and values and culture as well. But yeah, let's deep dive into it. So the book's called Built to Win designing a customer-centric culture that drives value for your business. I've taken about 26 pages of notes for this interview, but we'll jump into a couple of things. So you talk about build a winning organization rooted in the 10 foundational principles that ensure you drive value for customers and the business as well. Start off saying, uh, is your your company customer-centric? First and foremost, without customers, you have no business. Most businesses, Think they're customer centric, but they're actually not. Can you deep dive into that a little bit? Great,
1: great question. So there's a couple of different ways that I'll answer that. First of all, to be customer centric, I say it means there are no discussions, no decisions, no designs that happen within the organization without bringing that customer voice in, right? Without asking, how is this going to impact the customer? How is it going to make her feel? What value is it going to drive for her? And and the problem is, is that you know, as I, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. People or you know folks in, within companies go well. We have a customer-centric person, or we have a customer-centric department, or we have a customer-centric message, or we have this customer-centric approach, and it's really about so much more than that. You need to bring that customer voice into everything that you do, and and they really don't. And in the book, I talk about the difference between being customer focused and being customer centric, right? Being customer centric is what I just defined it to be. And it's enterprise wide. It's very strategic versus being customer focused is, yeah, you know, I'm customer focused. I've got, you know, I'm talking, talking to the person in front of me, I'm nice to them. I'm trying to give them what they want. I'm being helpful, you know, doing, you know, but as soon as I walk away (laughs) and they're not my customer, not my problem. And I've seen that with some of my clients, you know, they'll say, you know, they'll say they're customer centric, but then one employee in one department goes over to another department, asks for help, and the person says, well, that's not my problem, that's your problem, or that's, you know, not my customer, it's your customer. And it's like, in a customer-centric organization, we don't do that. We we do everything in the best interest of the customer, and that means that we will. It doesn't mean that we're going to say yes all the time, and it doesn't mean that the customer is always right. But we're always going to take the customer into account and make sure that we do what's, you know, in the best interest of the customer, because they've told us and we've we've asked them. Uh, you know, we've brought their voice into it all.
0: In the book, you you go on to talk about the four inputs of customer centricity as well. So to be customer centric requires four inputs. You talk about leadership, which is obviously at the top, which we'll jump into, core values, employees and customers as well. Talk about the importance of, you know, from a C-level and executives and leadership where, you know, culture starts at the top. And as you said earlier, it's something that runs through the DNA of the company and the enterprise. Yeah, you know, there's an
1: interesting quote that I saw a while ago and I was reminded of it the other day. It's that the culture is the shadow of the leader. And it's such an important, it's such an important quote because it really is, because first of all, leaders get what they either design or allow. So there's that. There's, you know, you can, you're going to get the culture that you deliberately design, which is one that's called customer centric, or you're going to get one based on the behaviors that you allow. And the other thing that's really important with leaders is that talk about in the book what's good for the goose is good for the gander right so when we we define culture as core values plus behaviors those core values once they're socialized and operationalized are not just about the employees leaders have to live and breathe them too right (laughs) so employees are always watching they're always watching what leaders are doing so if something is good for the leader why isn't it good for the employee why can they do that but i can't do that or they do that so i'm going to do that um or they don't do that so I'm not going to do that you know and so really leaders are constantly uh, you know I don't want to say they're on a pedestal but they're constantly in plain view where employees are watching even the even if they don't think they are and they're looking to see so leaders really have to model the behaviors that they, they expect and then they have to re- recognize and reinforce them as well so really critical that leaders are embody the culture that they're trying to design
0: Some of the notes I got from that, I like that one, Uh, you know, culture is the shadow of the leader, uh, which is amazing. Culture is what is is designed or allowed. And if you look at the example of a a family, right, so, you know, what's practiced in private plays out in public, which is huge. And that's that's with anything. But just take a family, for example. What's allowed in the family shows out in the public. So when you take the pu- the family out maybe to a restaurant or something like that, and the kids are acting up and, you know, talking smack or behaving badly, well, that actually happens privately in the house as well. And, you know, families get embarrassed by the behavior of their children. But if you take it back to a company in Uh, leaders might be embarrassed of their employees' behavior, but it's actually allowed and not not designed as well. And very interesting that what happens in companies happens in day-to-day life with families as well. But that's sort of one of the one of the things that I got from there as well moving on to, to core values as well yeah so you talk about you know further supporting the customer centric culture is deliberately designed the company's core values that align with support and customer centricity as well can you elaborate on that a little bit and how it has to be designed it has to be something that's implemented thought about and actually lived as well core values
1: absolutely if you think about you know the definition of culture being core values plus behaviors those core values are the things that we live and breathe every day and they're so important to the organization so and when it comes to designing a, a customer centric culture We've got to have some of those core values be customer-driven values. Now, they don't all have to have customer in them or, or people or whatever. You know, As long as you define the behaviors and you define them relative to how we interact with customers, how we interact with each other, that should be fine. I'll give you a great example of a client that I worked with a couple of years ago, and, and I believe I used it in the book too. It was um, a client that was having issues with um, their frontline, their sales folks and their service reps constantly butting head with their customers, feeling like the customers were always out to get something, just something, you know, and, and it was just a really weird relationship. And so we took a look at their core values because they really wanted to shift the culture, to shift the organization, to be more of that customer first, customer centric, you know, just be of that mindset. And so we spent some time really reevaluating or evaluating their core values. And said, you know, none of the values address what we're seeing here. So let's take a look at one and add one that that will help with this behavior that we're seeing that isn't appropriate in in any way, shape or form. So we added a value called customer trust. And we defined that, we socialized it, we operationalized it. We made sure everybody knew what it was, what it meant, how to use it, why it was, what it was. Then a couple months later, I reached out to the client and I said, you know, how are things going? And she said, it's just easy. It's just easy. It's, it, we don't have those issues anymore. Everybody knows how they're supposed to act, what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to interact not only with each other, but with customers as well. And so I think that's really the power of core values. I mean, another great example is Zappos. Everybody knows their ten—you know their 10 values, their 10 core values and how they live every single one of them. If you've ever purchased or interacted with Zappos, um, you know, they live and breathe those values every day. So, so important to um, to designing this culture that you want.
0: Yeah, he, uh, Tony Hesh, yeah, he he recently died at a young age of sort of 46. But yeah, everyone knows about the, the culture of uh, Zappos as well and how that was acquired. Yeah, thank you for sharing on that. And one of the things you talk about next is employees instead of customers. So putting the employees first instead of the customers first is is quite different and you talk about how you know putting the employee for more first it cannot exist unless we have employees to live it so people say oh customers come first well not exactly if you don't have a if, you, if you've got maybe a company or an idea but you don't have employees well you've got no company so it might be an entrepreneur you are the company because you're the person but a real company has employees first because they show up every day and customers second who might show up every second day so can you talk about the importance of teaching employees, putting them first and why that's so important to a customer-centric culture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know what, the, the thing that I say about employees is, first of all, we know there's a ton of research out there that the employee experience drives the customer experience. It, without employees, we have nobody to build the product, service the product, sell the product, you know, service, whatever it is. So we've got to have employees, right? And that employee experience, again, drives the customer experience. There's tons of research out there about it in the work that I do. The the clients that I when I first start working with them I always interview um, executives employees and customers just to sort of get a baseline of the situation and the first time that an employee said this to me and I've heard it multiple times since then that, this was sort of the thing that was like ah oh, this is exactly what employee experience drives customer experience this is exactly the um, you know embodies what that is but the employee said. We don't have the tools, the resources, our our processes are broken, our policies are outdated. We don't have the things that we need to serve our customers the way that they deserve to be served. And it's not like employees come to work every day and say, I wanna do a bad job. I wanna you know, make all of our customers upset or frustrated. They've come to work, they wanna do a good job, right? So they've got to have all of the things that they need in order to do a good job. And that's the employee experience, right? The employee experience isn't just about um you know career path and growth and and communication and knowing how you impact the organization and and wellness and mental health all of those things are really important but there's also these and and contribute to ultimately a great customer experience too but there's also these things that i call the hard stuff which is the tools the resources the training the policies the processes the workspace all of those things combined are what make up the employee experience all of those things then ultimately impact the customer experience. So I came up with that. One of the foundational principles in the book is that, you know, employees must come more first. And that comes from the, there is a book by Hal Rosenbluth, who was the founder of Rosenbluth International, a travel agency, who uh, the book is called The Customer Comes Second, which is, you know, that's sacrilegious, right? You can't say that. <laughs> but, but in his book, the book is all about the employee experience and it's all about the things that he has done or had done for his employees. And in that book, he says, if we're going to put the customers first, we have to put the employees more first. So And, and I love that. I just thought that was, you know, we can't, we can't discount the customer. They're really important. So we're going to elevate the employees and put them more first. So very powerful uh, statement there. And it's so true. Um, and we're seeing that now, you know, we're seeing that now with this great resignation or this great, whatever we're calling it, you know, my son works for a fast food restaurant and they are short staffed. And so I was asking him, what's your schedule for this? And not only short staff affecting the schedule, but it affects the workload, how long they're working, the the frustration just built and everything. And I said, what are your hours this week? And so he told me and he said, oh, they're going to be shortened this weekend. And he goes, "We're we're closing early this weekend. And I said why are you closing early this weekend? There's no holiday or anything this weekend. He said, because we're short staffed. we just don't have enough people to, um, to, to take care of the customers, to to serve the customers. Right. And he, you know, his, if he works to close the restaurant at the end of the night, he'll stay for an extra two hours because it's only him and one other person who are there to clean up the restaurant, wash all the dishes and do everything. And it's, it, it takes its toll on the employees, right? So I'm seeing it right here in my household, how the employee experience ends with, you know, a really frustrating experience for customers because they're too burned out, too wiped out at the end of the day to, you know,
0: be kind to their customers, sadly. so. Well, employees ca- carry the brand. They carry the, the culture as well. They display the culture. They carry their frustrations or their happiness. And it just really shows on On the employee so the employee is the company according to the customer the customer comes in thinking it's a company and a brand but the employee is carrying that company's core values their mission and and all of that so if you have a bad experience well you know they then project that onto the company and the brand and think that's global nationally everywhere but you might just be have a bad day so yeah very interesting about that and the global resignation I really haven't heard too much about that but is that just a lot of people moving now to different industries, jobs, or just resigning, or what? What's the what's the story with that?
1: A little bit of both, right? It's a little bit of both. Here in the U.S., for, back in the fall, I think it was, or maybe even earlier, I think it was four some million people quit their jobs, and that was either. Quit, just left the workforce, or they decided, "Hey, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm moving. I'm moving into some other uh, industry." And the industries that were hardest hit here were the restaurant, hospitality, those industries where you know it's it's typically minimum wage, and you know part time, full time, whatever it is. But it was, "Hey, you know, we're, we're tired of this." You know, and, and you probably saw in the book there was a um, story about Burger King. Burger King, where the employees had just put out on the sign on the Chiron, in, or, or the, yeah, I think it's called the Chiron, in front of the building, the big tall sign, you know, hey, <laughs> basically we quit, you know, so so not a good way to inform your your manager to, that you're quitting, but there some of the things that were happening within the restaurant, you know, it was the, the kitchen was overheated, they were dehydrated, employees were being taken to the hospital, you know, all those kinds of things, and nobody was addressing the issues, right? And that was really sort of the, um, just a great you know, illustration of why people were saying, hey, is this what I want to do? And they're really reevaluating what they're doing. And so we're still seeing that now. We're still seeing people now and it's been, you know, eight or nine months, whatever it's been. And um, it's really affected, it's really affected, especially those industries. And that's why, you know, with my son's employer, they can't find people to work in in restaurants and hotels and hospitality, um, you know, type jobs because... Those people have said, We're tired, we're done, we're moving on to do something else. So,
0: well, the the last couple years have really exposed companies, uh, certain companies' uh, cultures for what they are. Instead of you know, when the pandemic hit, put in customers first instead of the employees first, and then employees felt they were sort of left behind where the government got involved. And now they're like, Hang on a second, if you're not going to hold my hand or help us through this hard time, why, when am I going to put my energy emotion time and you know resources with your company where i can go somewhere where i'm appreciated so you know the companies sort of had their pants down or exposed for sort of what they are bad companies where good companies sort of thrived as well and put employees first as well so yeah deep diving back into the book you talk about the 10 key principles obviously we talked about four critical sort of imports to a customer-centric organization i'll just read a few of them out you talk about culture is the foundation Leadership commitment and alignment are critical to success, which is great. Employee experience, so we'll jump into that as well. So employees must be put first, which we've talked about. People come before products, profits, and metrics. Customer understanding is the cornerstone. Governance bridge organizational gaps, which is interesting. We'll read that uh, later on. And outside in thinking and doing versus inside out thinking and doing a core. And then we'll talk about the platinum uh, rule six as well but yeah i love how you talk about fix the culture and you'll fix the outcomes as well so putting customers at the center of all you do means that the customers are a little more forgiving as well so can you talk about how culture is set by the ceo of the company
1: it really is and we talked a little bit about this already is is that you know in in organizations that are not customer centric are not customer centric Everything that's done within the organization is we think we're doing what's in the best interest of our customer, even though we we don't know. Right. And as long as we allow that, then, you know, from the top, we're going to continue doing that throughout the organization. Right. But if we have the CEO who says, I need to know what my customers are thinking, what their needs are, what problems they need to solve. Then and and taking that into consideration in everything we do, then we're going to be customer-centric. A great example is, uh, two examples, Jeff Bezos with Amazon has that empty chair in his executive staff meetings that, you know, represents the customer. We'll always be thinking about the customer. Now, Howard Schultz of Starbucks one-upped and put two chairs (laughs) in his executive meeting, one for customers and one for employees. So I love that, right? So that's when we know... That's the kind of behavior that we want to see from our CEO and from our executives to say, okay, we need to do that throughout the entire organization. We really need to focus on bringing the customer into the conversation regardless of what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I love that story and I had that down as a note. So having the empty chair in the meeting, thinking about the customer, but having the two chairs, the employee and the customer, because uh, massive say, I, th- I think you, you, you circled in the early 90s how you did market research. I don't understand why companies can't call their not a survey or an email but just call their customer, have someone that calls all their customers and ask the customer a few simple questions. What do you want from our company? Or how would be what would be the perfect customer experience from your end? What would be, you know, the follow up customer service that you want? What do you want or what do you expect? And then as a company, amalgamate that information and then just meet those expectations very simple like i don't i don't understand how it it can be as simple as that uh in the book you go about talking about shifting mindsets and behaviors and in order to shift the mindset and behaviors you know the leaders or the employees you need to do the following can you talk about how companies can start shifting their mindset and behaviors in turning their organization to a a customer-centric organization
1: yeah, I think part of it has starts with the big picture corporate statements, right? It starts with the, you know, your vision and your mission, right? And your purpose, getting those all set and communicated and, um, you know, operationalized, same with the core values, obviously. I think one of the things that the one of the big things that we need to do is we need to shift the way that we talk within our organization. So ch- change the language, change the words that we use. So that you know you mentioned one of the um 10 principles is about people before profits products and metrics right so let's start talking about the people and less about the numbers you know that's one of the things that i people love it when you give that example of hey how do you start every meeting in your organization whether it's your company meeting or it's your staff meeting you're always talking about hey our numbers for this week are the numbers for this quarter are where profits are down revenues down whatever you know and it's like, why don't you, in, sh- in order to shift the conversation within the organization, let's start with the customer. Let's start with stories about the customer, stories about customer success or stories about customer pain point. Do the same with employees as well. Bring in employee stories, but specifically with customers, start start with, here's a customer that I visited today and this is what I heard. Or here's a customer that called in for service or support or whatever they were calling for. And this is what I heard. This is what they said. You know, going back to your point about let's ask, let's talk to them about what are your expectations? What what are your needs? You know, those kinds of things bring those stories into the organization and share them with everybody this is how we're going to start to turn things around right it's not a it's not an overnight process but it will take time absolutely but you just have to get started
0: yeah like a customer experience and an employee experience are two different things as well and you know if you go to a fine restaurant like a five-star you know world-class restaurant their service is like a dance it's it's choreographed from the get-go you know from the maitre d to the all these little things it's it's choreographed and we know this and we love it and you know people don't like to be sold but they love to buy and especially love to buy great service as well and will pay excellent money for great service as well even look at sort of luxury goods whether it be luxury cars or luxury clothing or things like that you walk into these places for the experience not so much for the product and we'll pay good money for a better experience, where we might be able to get the same product cheaper, but not necessarily the same experience as well. Going across, I love how you talk about, you know, designing the design culture, and basically you go from define, identify, exemplify, align, socialize, and operationalize as well. Can you talk about the importance of, as I said earlier, about designing the customer experience and or designing the employee experience as well, and um, and how the two are different?
1: yeah you know it really is important so we if we leave the customer experience and the employee experience it's, it's kind of the same as with the culture right we get the experience we allow we get the culture we allow we get the experience we allow if we just let it be what it is it's going to be what it is but if we take the time to listen to our employees to listen to our customers to understand what it is that they're trying to do understand their expectations and we use that to to d- design the experience that they expect what a difference that's going to make. So we really want to design the experience that they expect. We also want to design the experience that delivers on our brand promise and delivers on, you know, who we are, right? And so a combination of that, it really is important that we design that. So the the chapter on customer understanding, I, I just recently wrote a blog post about employee understanding too, doing the work to really understand who they are and their needs and the problems they're trying to solve and using that data, using that information to then design the experience is is, is for customers, it should be exciting because now we're gonna have the experience that we <laughs> that we expected, that we would, that we hope we would have. So if we so we want to co-create, we want to co-create the experience with our customers, with our employees and and then uh, implement from there. So it's such an important part of this whole customer experience uh, Concept and and the customer experience strategy.
0: Yeah And in the book chapter 4 uh, some of the notes I got you talk about leadership commitment and alignment are critical to success as well and I like the illustration of the story of the the chicken and the pig and I'll just read it So basically it illustrates the difference well while it com- compares involvement and commitment I feel like buying in in, at the involvement level the story goes like this so the chicken and the pig are walking down the road the chicken says hey pig I was thinking we should open a restaurant the pig replies "Mm, mmm what should we call it the chicken offers how about ham and eggs the pig thinks for a second and says no thanks I'd be committed but you'd only be involved as well. So great illustration of that as well. So anything you want to expand on that about, you know, leadership, commitment and alignment that's critical for success. The
1: first time I heard that story, I was like, you know what, this is perfect. This is, you know, you got to think about it for half a second. Then you're like, yes, (laughs) but it is important. You've got to be committed. I know a lot of people talk about buy-in, but that is the difference between commitment and buy-in or commitment and involvement, right? Commitment means you are going to, you are all in, you are going to give the, you know, commit to the resources, whether it's time or capital or you know, or human, whatever resources are needed to do the work that needs to be done, right? Um, so that's what commitment is all about. Alignment is about getting everybody on the same page, getting everybody marching in the same direction. It's fine if you originally don't agree with what we're committing to, but give people time to just weigh in pros and cons. What are what are your thoughts? Why do you like it? Why don't you like it? Why is it a good idea? Why is it not? But at the end of the conversation, we all say, okay, we put all of our thoughts and ideas and, and frustrations out on the table. At the end of the conversation we all say, okay, it's out there. We're committed to doing this and we're we're gonna go out to our teams and we're gonna make sure that we do whatever it is that we've just committed to, right? Not not being aligned means that after that meeting, there's the meeting after the meeting <laughs> where we're now, let's say there's an executive team of seven, two of them go out after that meeting and start like bad mouthing with each other and to their teams and other people. And they start creating this whole stir of like, well, we don't need to do that. That's a stupid idea. None of that happens when there's alignment, right? When there's alignment, you walk out of the room and everybody's just on the same page and you've agreed that you're going to just do what it is that needs to be done. And and there's no meeting or there's no bad mouthing. There's none of that. You're just in full support of everything that's going to be done. And in, in a customer centric culture or any type of culture that you're going to design, you have to have that alignment because culture is an organization wide thing. This customer centric. Customer centricity is an organization-wide thing. If we only have five leaders and those other two walk out of the meeting and their their two departments aren't on board with what we're, we're trying to do, it ends up impacting not only the employee, but the customer as well. The customer interacts with the organization and interacts with those two departments and it's a completely different experience from the other five departments, right? And, it, and they feel it and they feel like it's, hey, I'm dealing with two different brands here, three different brands here. When you're really dealing with the same company, you just didn't get everybody on board and, and so it, the experience is inconsistent. So that's one of the reasons that alignment is really important. We've got to have enterprise-wide, we've got to have this customer-centric DNA flowing through the organization.
0: Yeah, thank you for expanding on that. And just to elaborate on that as well, in the book you talk about the uh, the Airbnb founders and how they take a different approach to open dialogue and they ultimately uh, to get alignment. So they the credit of the nomenclature elephants, dead fish, and uh, vomit as well. So the used for different types. Different, yeah, different types of difficult conversations that may turn some people off, but, but paints the picture very clearly defines and delineates what needs to be discussed and why. So what type of meetings do they need to have today? The session's about elephants. So this is the big things everyone knows or worries about, but no one wants to talk about. Dead fish, the things that happened a while ago that people still ain't over, but they need to get it out. So people need to obviously get over them as well. And they talk about vomit and that's the things that people need to say and just have someone there to sit and listen without judgment get it on the table be open discuss disagree and agree as well is there anything you want to add or expand on that
1: (laughs) as you as you are reading back through that again it just reminds me of a client that i'm working with right now where i'm like these are the conversations that we're going to be having in the next couple of weeks is exactly those three things so (laughs) (laughs) it's but they have to happen you have to get it out there otherwise it just festers right it just festers and you can't move on and, and then you don't have alignment you certainly don't have alignment
0: yeah also going forward you talk about sort of putting people front and center in your business is critical to success but why people before products why people before profits and and why sort of people before metrics as well what's the reason for that
1: people before profits so i'll start or i'm sorry people before products i'll start with that one so I use the example in the book and I I used it in my first book too, where I um, attended a webinar and at the end of the webinar, there was a Q&A session and, and a woman asked, but if I spend time, you know, focusing on my customers, won't that take away from my focus of, on the product? And it, and you just go, what? <laughs> Who are you building the product for if you're not building it for your customers, right? And there's this great Seth Godin quote where he says, you have to find products for your customers, not customers for your products, right? And in order to do that, you have to take the time to listen to your customers, to really understand what problems they're trying to solve and what jobs they're trying to do and develop products for them. You can come in and have this great idea, you know, build some great product, but what if nobody needed that? Or what if nobody, you know, it doesn't solve a problem for somebody, you know, and I've, 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 had conversations with some startups where, you know, they've said, Hey, come check out our platform. This is a really cool thing. Tell us what you think. And the first question I ask is what problem does this solve? Who does it solve it for? <laughs> what problem does it solve and who does it solve it for? Right. And they go, Ooh, that's a really good question. And then, you know, it's a very short conversation after, <laughs> but it happens all the time. Right. You know, and it might get out there. It might live for a little while, but you know, after that, People will probably find better solutions or somebody else is going to pick up on it, either in, in, imitate and or in, innovate off of that, right? And truly solve product uh, problems for customers. So so it's, so that's why that one's important. Um, the second one was um, people before profits. So a lot of companies, a lot of leaders still live by that old management adage. We're in business to maximize shareholder value, right? Shareholder value, profits, those are all outcomes. We have to think about how we get there how do we get to be profitable how do we get to maximize shareholder value and that's why when drucker said the the purpose of a business is to create and to nurture customers ultimately that's going to lead to maximizing shareholder value so if we put the people first if we focus on the people their experiences the numbers will come that's what that one that's what that one is about and then the third one was people uh people before metrics and this is a is a direct hack tip to the start of my career at J.D. Power & Associates. The biggest offender of this is um, the car dealerships. You go, you buy a car, and they tell you, hey, you're going to get a survey within the next couple of days. Please rate me a 10 out of 10 on everything, right? And if you don't, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get demoted. I'm not going to get my commission. I'm going to lose my firstborn. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's all these things, right? You know, and so that becomes a bad experience for the employee imagine begging for your promotion or your or your commission so it's a bad experience for the employee and and it's a bad experience for it's an icky icky just an icky experience for the customer because first of all you feel bad for the employee second what if it wasn't that great of an experience now I have to go home and i get that email and i've got to click on it and oh i'm never mind i'm not even going to do it right because i don't want to i don't want to Give them not a 10 out of 10 because it wasn't that great of an experience. So, so what ends up happening when companies chase, you know, chase that metric, and all they're doing is focusing on moving that needle, they the experience is very different than had we taken the time to, you know, um, really design and deliver a great experience for your customers. Totally different behaviors, totally different things happen when we focus on improving the experience. If we improve the experience, the numbers will come. That's the thing. So, and instead some companies take the shortcut and they're like begging for their scores, right?
0: Well, yeah, it's it's stop measuring the score. This is the metrics. Like don't measure the number or the score, but in the, the, the board of directors or the executives actually called customers randomly and just asked them for how was the customer experience? And they actually told them. And then they shared that with the employee that was serving the customer randomly. I'm sure the culture would change knowing that, wow, this customer might be surveyed by a phone call from at the CEO, the owner of the business, or you know the executives as well. So the culture would definitely change. And again, what's designed in the company or what's allowed in the company as well, but a few simple shifts would, would change it too. Switching gears a little bit in that, you talk about the anti-CEO playbook as well, uh, and what that entails. So that's about obviously putting employees and, and customers before revenues and profits uh, means that executives are making Uh, decisions with employees and customers in mind at all time you talk about the four constructs of that which number one is gratitude which is taking care of employees first community ask how the business can help the community not what the community can do for the business which is like e.g tax breaks number three responsibility business not government is the best position to make a change in today's world which is totally true and then number four accountability like the ceo shouldn't report to the board but to the consumers as well uh, is there anything you want to expand on that, the anti-CEO playbook?
1: No, I, I love that. And, and that came from the CEO of Chobani, and I'm totally going to mess up his name, so I won't even try. But but um, if you ever get a chance to watch his TED Talk, it's pretty amazing. It's a great story about he, how he actually ended up acquiring Chobani and really the focus on the people, the focus on the employees. And um, yeah, I, I would just say watch his TED Talk. It's, it's pretty powerful.
0: Another massive thing, which is like another elephant in the room, is basically the imbalance between acquisition and retention of customers, and the executives focus disproportionately on acquisition rather uh, over retention, and thereby misdirecting their attention away from their current customer base. They focus on growth, where CEOs find growth sexy, and you know that's okay. But not all growth comes from new customers, and acquiring new customers costs five to twenty-five times more than retaining existing customers i don't understand that like most customers are going to be repeat or refer okay which is majority of you know businesses or continuity why why is that that they focus on more acquisition over retention
1: you know what there's a there's this three letter word three letter acronym that they love (laughs) ROI. <laughs> and it's so much easier and faster to see the ROI of your marketing efforts, right? I just ran a radio campaign. I just ran a, you know, a banner ads. I just did this. I just sent out a bunch of coupons, I, whatever it was, right? It's so much easier and quicker to see that ROI than taking the time to listen to customers, get the feedback out into the organization. Build out your project plan, make the changes, roll them out, you know, all of that. I mean, a lot of times we don't see the the ROI from customer experience improvements 18 months sometimes. You know, it depends on what it is, it depends on the magnitude of the change. Whereas, again, you can within a week, you can see the ROI, maybe two weeks, maybe less, you can see the ROI of your advertising campaigns or your marketing campaigns. And so I think that's the big thing. And that is the one thing, you know, we, we, didn't talk about, maybe we will, the closing letter in this book. And the closing letter in my first book, it was really about why do we have to prove the ROI of the customer experience? We're in business for and about and because of the customer. So why wouldn't we do everything that we need to do to make sure they have a great experience and come back, right? So that's that's the big thing there
0: absolutely and we'll, we'll finish off on that in a second um you talk about customer understanding when was the last time that yeah you we actually spoke to our customers and said that before but you know customers buy for their reasons not yours as well and the bottom line is you know customer understanding is the cornerstone of customer centricity as well and you talk about some of the things such as listen you know listen to your customers but also actively to listen is also to actively go out there and speak to your customers so you can listen to them correctly as well not just a survey with a score on it I like how you said characterize your customers because in an organization we have many different customers and there are different you know avatars with marketing speak but we need to characterize who they are and then how can we serve that particular group of customers as well and then empathize so understanding um, you know walking in the customer's shoes as well and then i like how you talk about journey the journey maps that you take with customers maybe you want to expand on that where you talk about plan emphasize identify introspect ideate and then implement as well how important is it for companies to actually you know journey journey map their customer experience
1: it's probably one of the most important ways that you can really learn and understand what the experience is that your customers are going through when i do journey mapping workshops with clients there's this aha moment. There's just, they're just these eye-opening moments. And, And I've had CEOs in those workshops many times, just sitting in maybe for half an hour, an hour, and just observing. And the looks on their faces and the things that they say afterwards, like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe we put our customers through that. I can't believe we make them go through so many steps. I can't believe we frustrate them here, you know? And it's just, it is such an important way to really walk in their shoes and really understand the experience that they're having. And so the process that I came up with, this six step process that you just went through is so important. And probably the three key mapping exercises that happen within that, that process. And I call it a process because we can't just think about the map because we just think about a map as a singular thing, as this picture then it just remains a picture. We want the maps to be the catalyst for change that they're meant to be. And so we have to go through this process. So there's three different types of map. There's a current state where we map what the experience is today. There's a future state where we ideate brainstorm, map out what the ideal experience would be in the future, all of this with customers. And then there's what we call a service blueprint, which is something that we, a map we create with employees and it's what's happening behind the scenes, the people, the tools, the systems and the processes that actually create, facilitate and create the experience that the customer is having. So if we have that full picture of the experience, we have uh, all the tools and all the information that we need to really design a better experience going forward. And that, all of those tools, Better experience for employees, because we're, we're now looking at what's happening behind the scenes and what they're doing and what tools they're using. Um, and then, you know, combining that with what's happening for the customer on the, on the outside. So an important process and an important way to really understand the experience today and design a better one for the future.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And yeah, well said, thank you for sharing. We'll finish off sort of on a couple of things. So, you know, you talk about forget the gold, people forget about the golden rule. You know, your website uh, isn't the center of, uh, your universe your Facebook page isn't the center of your universe your mobile app isn't the center of the universe the customer is the center of the universe and the golden rule states that you know he who has the gold makes the rule so in other words whoever has the money has the power so in this case it's the customers the customers have the money without customers and without their money that you you won't have a business so that's that's totally important and then yeah you go through the the last one so the letter to the ceos what's that about and what's the last thing you finish off with the book and what's some of the takeaways you want people to take away from the book as well for bill to win Yeah, of course
1: let me just go back to the platinum rule because so the platinum rule is treat treat people the way that they want to be treated and that's such an important concept because the golden rule is as you pointed out there's two different golden rules there one of them is to treat people the way that we want to be treated, and we don't all want to be treated the same. You don't have the same expectations, or want to be treated the same way as I do. And so, why do why do we have this whole notion where businesses would design the same experience for me as they would as they would for you? And this is what's come down to a really important concept today is around personalization. That's why that's becoming such a a big part of that as well. So, just wanted to just call that out real quick. But the the letter to the CEO, it's again, it's a it's a plea, <laughs> it's a plea to really. Um, help them understand what it is to be customer centric, why it's so important, the benefits, what those reiterating those 10 foundational principles. And really at the end of this letter, which I did at the end in the first book as well, was just say, if there's any doubt about how important all of this is, just close your eyes for a minute. And. Pretend you have no customers. <laughs> How would that look? How would that feel, right? And so we really do have to shift the thinking and make sure that we take care of our employees, take care of our customers. And, you know, the business is going to win. That's the bottom line. The business will win if we take care of the people. So um, I know you had one more question in there and I forget that. So I'm going to, I'll ask you to ask it again.
0: <laughs> there was one more thing I was supposed to cover there, but. No, that that's okay. No, it was just a, the letters to the CEOs and what, what that was about. That was all. Yeah, cool. Where can people find the book? Where can they buy it? Where can they find out more about yourself as well?
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you. Um, So the book is available. This book, since it was published through a publisher, is available apparently at 39,000 outlets around the world. (laughs) But definitely at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Target. You can, you know, those are probably some of the biggest, biggest outlets. Um, And, you know, you can find me online. I just, you know, rolled out a brand new website, AnnetteFrons.com. Um, But you can find me at my uh, corporate website as well cx-journey.com and i'm always happy to connect with people on linkedin because um, You know, I just love making new connections. I've met some amazing people uh, through linkedin
0: Yeah, perfect. I'll put the links in the the show notes as well for people to go out there buy the book and follow you as well But I just want to say yeah, thank you for writing a a couple great books as well Thank you for all that you've done your journey with uh, yeah three decades with the customer experience as well and oh, that sounds
1: painful (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> 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 no 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 all good yeah but thank you for being a guest on the best book bits podcast and to my audience out there follow Annette, check out her stuff read her books and if you like what you hear follow her as well so annette thanks for being a guest and uh we'll speak to you soon okay thanks
1: for having me all right bye
0: no result pushes on mine okay.